0: Freaks of nature? Well, then, come on down to Captain Spaulding's Museum of Monsters and Madmen. <laughs> yeah, see the alligator boy. Ride my famous murder ride. Most of all, don't forget to take home some of my tasty fried chicken. Ha <laughs> ha! It just tastes so damn good.
1: Promotional consideration paid for by the following. StevieRichardsFitness.com Join the SRF resistance today. RussoBrand.com. Get the real shoot from the most controversial personality in wrestling, Vince Russo. Ratsaladreview.com discusses the latest metal and hard rock albums as well as some trips down memory lane. That's RatSaladReview.com, The Voices of Misery podcast. Support independent media and subscribe at voicesofmisery.podbean.com and follow them
0: on Twitter at Voices of Misery. The following program is presented by the HTM Podcast Network. September 23rd, 2019, and you are tuned into the Hitting Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast powered by the Roar Network at the Presented and simulcast once again as your Monday locker room from Homin Media. And in association with Last Word on Pro Wrestling. On this week's show, we're talking some Kenny Omega, some New Japan, some AEW, NXT, and of course, your WWE preview for the week. But before we dive in, it's my obligation to remind you this is a podcast by the fans for the fans bringing you all the news and news from across the professional wrestling world. Find the entire HTM Podcast Network online, hittingthemarks.com, and Hamine Media online at hackerhameen.podbean.com. My name is Jargo. I'll be your host for the day. That's my tag team partner. He's the man, the myth, the legend, the crack spider, the real RBB Rick, welcome back inside the locker room. It's me,
1: it's me. It's that honor of the b 2 Rick Vickery back again. As you said, the simulcast. We're bringing these two amazing platforms together. I guess what is this?
0: The hitting Monday, the Monday locker room marks. Is that where we're at here? I think. I think that's pretty much where we're at. But you know, Huckleberry... Tuesday, there is a big meeting going down between all of the members of the Hami Media Discussion Group, and we don't know the status of the Monday locker room come Wednesday. Maybe we're getting canceled.
1: Wow, well, I was going to say, not the entire discussion group. I mean, we're, we're these are the talking heads of Hami Media.
0: Yeah, the media is uh, The been media called, group, not the discussion group. Fuck all you people in the discussion group. This is just for, I, I mean, I mean... <laughs> All, all, all the talking heads are getting together, and we're gonna figure out what in the world we're gonna do because there's so much content right now. The whole Monday, Wednesday, Friday thing is kind of up in the air with NXT and AEW debuting on Wednesdays. So who who knows what the status is gonna be and what the schedule is gonna look like going forward?
1: Well, I've I've, I've kind of got a little bit of a a little bit of a rumor. Uh, I guess maybe you know William Alashea, He was he's been doing some research here, so he's giving me a little bit of dirt. Uh, I guess that Bellow is just going to have like nine shows now.
0: That sounds legit. That sounds legit. That'll, that'll be a, a, a good uh, change there for the Hami Media Group. More Bellow. More that's, Bello.
1: that's what we're getting.
0: That's what we need. We need more Bellow. Uh, Huckleberry, we didn't do a hitting the marks this weekend because, well, you have been incredibly busy. You've got your big hot tag marketing show getting ready to go down. But, you know, I promised the people a story last week right here inside the locker room. Who shot you in the
1: ass? <sighs> you see, I'm going to plead the fifth here. Okay, uh, I do. I do want to. I did want to. You know, kind of get the show going this week with a bit of an apology for missing last week. Uh, I got myself into a little bit of an incident, uh, and you know, we were talking about some dirt, some rumors floating out there, and, and I know uh, it. It couldn't have been you, Jargo, that was spreading those, was it? You're you're not the source, right?
0: No, I would never do something like that. I, okay. I I did not say that a crack spider rolled up behind you and popped a cap in your ass. That was not me. That was the Canadian Wildlife Federation in Ottawa. Uh,
1: again, again, another issue with Canada. Yep. <laughs> they continually come after me. Uh, another Canadians. You know, unwarranted attack against the RVV from canada absolute bs but anybody that's out there you know again i do want to apologize for missing last week's show but if you want the real story and it is quite hilarious uh please reach out to me you can direct message me across all social media at the real rvc
0: you know funny enough that is a perfect segue huckleberry because we're gonna go to more canadian attacks but this time it's coming from one of our favorite canadians this time it's coming from kenny omega Kenny Omega throwing some shade at NXT. Did you finally have a chance to check out all these quotes?
1: Oh wow! And as you're going through them, you really you can't even believe. Like this is this is Kenny Omega, you know the nice, calm, quiet, reserved Kenny Omega. You got you start thinking like, did Jericho hack his phone or you know get into his accounts?
0: It's entirely possible because these do read like, like Jericho tweets. They also kind of read like they would be uh, Cody tweets, don't they? Oh, yeah. I didn't even think about that. It does seem like something maybe Cody would get out there with. So th- this comes to us from sportsskedia.com. Shout out to Raju, good friend of ours that we know from uh, the Impact Press Pass when they actually do that. Uh, these quotes come to us from Kenny Omega with Skedia. You can call it a war if you want. It's like, to me, like, we're in a completely different kind of business. I mean, what they're doing is different from what we're doing. It's weird because it's hard to say that you're going to war with people I call my friends. And yet, we are going to war. And yet, I sit back and I look at the grand picture. And it's like, I'm going to war with these dudes that, if we were on the same show together, the same show The same production, let's pretend that there's no borders. Let's pretend that there's no promotions. Let's pretend that it's just one big promotion. If these guys were on the same show as me, they'd be in the dark match. They'd be in the opening match of my main event match. You're going to call that a war? You're going to call that a competition? Go ahead. Okay, maybe it's fun for you to do. That's cool. But we're on different planets. You're going to see that right away when you see 10,000-plus arenas sold out. You're going to see smiles on fans' faces, and you're going to see real stars, not developmental talent, but the real stars appearing on your television sets every week. Huckleberry, I don't even know what to think about this. Like, Kenny Omega is firmly embracing his dark side.
1: Well, you know, it's very two-sided in there. Because he does drop a few things uh, at, at first you can say, he makes a comparison. You know, we are two different entities. We're going to, we're going to present two different forms of professional wrestling and so different that you might not even be able to tell that they're even remotely, you know, under that wrestling umbrella. So, I mean, he, he kind of there, that's not a really a direct attack. He said, Hey, we you know we're, we're something different. Don't expect us to be what they are. We're going, you know, while we're different, we are going to be better. Then he mentions, hey, these guys are some of my friends, but then he immediately goes after them and says, yeah, we're cool. We're all professionals. They're friends, but I'm obviously better. I'm on another level, and that's why you should be more invested in me.
0: It's absolutely fascinating. Then we have uh, Donovan Dijak, Donovan Dijakovich, whatever the hell you want to call him, Dijak. He's always going to be Dijak to me. He, He tweets back at Kenny Omega. Hey, at Kenny Omega Man X. Remember when my match with at real Keith Lee embarrassed yours on the PWG Homecoming Weekend of Bola twenty seventeen? Tune in this Wednesday to NXT TV on USA at eight PM so two developmental guys can show you a real star how it's done again. Um Rick, I, I find this absolutely hilarious above everything else, because as I read these tweets from Kenny Omega and I read this response from Donovan Dijakovic. Um, Kenny's completely in character. Anybody who's watching "Being the Elite," anybody who's watching the the Road to TNT shows, this is Kenny Omega right now. Kenny Omega has become a, a broken down shell of himself. I mean, he's he's Thor in Avengers Endgame. He's not Thor anymore. He he's old and he's fat and he's drinking beer and he can't stop. That's kind of where Kenny is right now. Kenny is questioning his entire existence as a professional wrestler right now, and he's much closer to the cleaner than he is the best bout machine. What I find hilarious is the fact that Dijak sold for him. Dijak totally sold for Kenny Omega in character.
1: Well, I think what it, two points here, and I love the way that you that you presented this, laid it out for everyone. You know, those individuals we, we continually hear, oh, there's no story. There's no build. Yes, this is excellent build right here with Kenny. This is great character development. This is a guy, you know, who before AEW was announced and everyone, everyone was kind of they going in that direction. Are these guys going to really start their own company? You know, that wild card in there was Kenny Omega. Is he gonna go with his? Is he gonna go with his crew, or is he gonna go get that big payday and try to get that big, you know, that big spotlight in WWE? He goes to he goes to AEW. I mean, that's a, that was a huge a huge draw for them. Uh, but since then, he has struggled quite a bit. Not as many big wins. You know, the match quality's a little down. People just haven't been as impressed. With, you know been as impressed with him. That's all part of you know this coming of age, this full circle, this tremendous story that they have been telling to us for, you know, a better part of a year. And and now we're really getting that build towards television here. Now you're talking about Dijak is, you know, he goes, he he takes the internet and he's selling for this thing. I'm more interested to know what these guys are texting each other back and forth, you know, in their private conversation.
0: Yeah. I, I completely agree with you. Um, for, for those listening to the locker room, Huckleberry, you didn't hear this, but my, my computer just dinged. And before we started recording, we were talking about some of the football games that are going on right now. That was our friend, Eric Lake, sending me a message that simply said, OK, I was wrong. <laughs> Fantastic. Um, I, I think there's a bigger story going on here, and I don't think that this is all necessarily about AEW. I don't think this is all necessarily about Kenny Omega trying to find himself again. I think it's what Kenny Omega has lost. Um, I I think there's a much larger and grander story going on, Huckleberry, and, and kind of follow me with this one. I think this is all about Kota Ibushi. Ever since Kenny came over to the United States and left New Japan, we've heard him talk about Ibushi a couple of times. There was the one time at Double or Nothing in a a sit down interview that he had where he he explained the story of Kota Ibushi and how Kenny couldn't ask him to come here. And then we saw the, the, the picture of Kenny Omega watching Kota Ibushi win the G1 with the hat all pulled down over his eyes. Now, he won't even say Kota Ibushi's name. He is now simply referred to as him. Before him, after him. Rick, am I completely crazy to think that maybe Ibushi and Kenny are telling a much grander story here? Because as bad as Kenny has been, things have been that good for Kota Ibushi.
1: Very, very interesting. Uh, way to pick up on that, Jar. I mean, that's, we really get into this, this story here and what we're expecting for Ibushi going into Wrestle Kingdom. If he can achieve... You know, just just such great, you know, monumental success in Japan, and then later on, I mean, what, what would you say? Maybe like next year at all out. I mean, do do we get those two as the big selling point there? I mean, I mean, to me. On any level, that's going to rival anything you get at a WrestleMania main event.
0: Well, and I started thinking about this when Moxley got hurt because if you remember that episode of Being the Elite, right after they find out that Moxley is not going to be participating at all, out and it's Kenny and the or not Kenny Cody and the Bucks sitting around the AEW table and they're trying to think of a replacement, and of course they end up settling on Pac, but the first name that they threw out, Kota Ibushi. And we know none, a little bit of
1: a a little bit of a tease.
0: none of these guys do things on accident. You know, you know what I mean? i, I this this could absolutely be part of a much grander story being told between. Now, the question becomes, does New Japan have anything to do with this? Does AEW have anything to do with this? Or is this just Ibushi and Kenny telling their two very, very different sides of the story before they end up coming back together, whether it be together or in a clash? I mean, obviously, we know Abushi has signed a long-term deal with New Japan Pro Wrestling that is exclusive. Yes, we know that Kenny Omega has signed a deal with... AEW that is exclusive, but we also know that there's that clause in the contract that says he can go back to Japan and wrestle some shows if he wants to. We know with these exclusive deals, that's exclusive to Japan. I would be very, very surprised if Ibushi has it in his contract that he couldn't wrestle for anybody in the States other than New Japan Pro Wrestling. That would surprise me Is it that inconceivable to think that we could be building to Ibushi versus Omega at this point? Because I don't think it is at all.
1: Well, I mean, let's go back to even before the announcement of AEW, the official announcement, when they just were, when the elite, when they, when they left New Japan, it seemed like that was a bad breakup. Maybe that was by design as well you know you guys got you know you've got what you what you got going on here we we are going to leave we are starting a company we're going to be in north america let's chill with each other for a little bit let's separate let's go our ways and then eventually we know we can come back together and pull off one of these you know just incredible mega super shows or something along those lines or maybe it is just kenny and Abushi working together saying hey let's get this thing and let's get the thing rolling together let's get the wheels in motion and then let's hope That somewhere down the line, what we've suddenly built, these other promotions realize they can capitalize on, and then we go get a massive payday for everybody.
0: Is that really that ludicrous to think about? I mean, yeah, this sounds like the storyline to an absolutely insane movie, but given the talents that we're talking about, is that really that far-fetched?
1: I think they'd be pissed off that you figured them out.
0: Because, I mean, even going back to, to the G1 last year, that was really the only time that we saw Ibushi and Kenny collide again, and we all felt like that was chapter one of a story. It, it was certainly not the conclusion.
1: I think it'll be it'll be very interesting to watch how Kenny is betrayed, especially going late into this year as we approach Wrestle Kingdom. That's going to be very telling, Of this grander plan That that you're laying out here for us
0: Of course we'll talk a little bit more about Kota Ibushi As we talk about the new destruction Or new Japan destruction show In Kobe from uh, this morning Uh, First let's talk a little bit more about AEW we have the brackets For the AEW tag team tournament That's going to be kicking off on October 2nd When they debut on TNT Uh, Rick they're only doing a seven-team tournament. Of course, they're only doing seven rather than eight because the Dark Order have a bye in the first round thanks to beating the best friends. What do you think of the team selected here, and why in the hell isn't LAX in it? I mean, that's really the question.
1: Well, I think you hold out LAX. You know, they were a late arrival. You'd build up this division, and you want to get some exposure there. So you don't you don't need to overload it with you know all your top teams, all the stars here. And the way this thing looks, the way it's laid out here, you gotta believe that LAX. They're gonna have, they're gonna have their hands all over for this thing. They're going to be involved somewhere. Now, where is that exactly? Where is that gonna happen? Is it gonna be just? Are they gonna go after the Lucha Bros? You know, they got a little bit of beef going on with them. They're working some other shows against them. But we saw the attacks and all that when they arrived. Uh, do they also go after the Bucks as well? I mean, do we see two of like? I don't want to say lesser teams advance over the stars here just to get that exposure, but it's going to be, it could present a very interesting dynamic.
0: So the left side of the bracket lays out like this. In the first round, you have the Young Bucks versus Private Party, and then you have the Lucha Bros versus a boy and his dinosaur being Jungle Jack and, uh, luchasaurus on the right side of the bracket we have the best friends versus scu and then we have the dark order who received a buy into the first round so i i assume best friends win over scu and we end up having a rematch dark order versus best friends would, would you be under that same assumption or do you think scu is a player in this thing
1: you know really a part of me i, I could you can make that argument the way you've laid it out here. We've got the story, best friends going after that redemption, you know, wanting to get another piece of dark order. We get round two there. You've got that story built in, but there's a part of me that says, let's put these titles on SCU. Yeah, I'm right I mean, there. We've with seen the, the popularity. They, they're, they're still right there. The popularity is insane. They're, they're so charisma, you know, charismatic. They're gonna give you great presentation on television. They're used to working live television. They've been there, they've done that. They're going to be someone that that you want presenting, you know, representing your division. That's going to be right up there in the forefront. People are going to be drawn towards them, but you also you're going to get some of those, you know, those haters, those you know, your mark cards that are going to be all over. It. Oh, they just put it on some old guys. You know, where's 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 the freshness here? WWE does that, and everybody complains, but blah blah blah. You know, we're going to be hearing that, but to me, that shouldn't be a point. You want the best representation for your division. And a part of me thinks that is SCU.
0: I'm also kind of worried about SCU right now. Um, I'm, I'm worried that we're going to start getting some dissension inside of SCU. Uh, on, on the last episode of BTE, we saw Christopher Daniels thinks that the team of Scorpio Sky and Frankie Kazarian, they should be the ones representing SCU, and Scorpio Sky seems to think that it should be the addiction, because there's all the experience factor with Frankie and CD, and and they've won multiple tag team championships and multiple promotions. And then we had uh, Frankie Kazarian propose the team of Scorpio Sky and Christopher Daniels because it would be a brand new team that nobody has seen. There's no film on them. It could be anything. but It could be a really good team. It could be a really bad team. Huckleberry, which version of SCU do you go with? And is this the beginning of the end for SCU? Well, I, I... I certainly hope that
1: they're not going to end this thing. These guys have such an incredible dynamic together. Uh, They work so well together. They're so popular. You can do so much merch with these guys. You're going to bring in viewers. They they excite people. They get people invested. Keep them together. Uh, I'm wondering if maybe this is just them leading to some kind of new variation of the Freebird rule or something like that.
0: Ooh, that could be interesting. Um, I I, I don't know, we would have to seek clarification from one of the EVPs that if SCU would win the matchup against the Best Friends, does it have to be that same team going forward throughout the entire tournament?
1: Well, that's what I'm saying here. Maybe, Maybe they mix it up where, okay, you've got the addition that they kick things off. And then in the next round, you go with uh, Daniels and, and Sky. You know, you know, keep that thing going throughout the tournament. It's going to keep the other teams on the. You know, they're going to have to be on on their game to keep up with the ever changing. You know, landscape here.
0: Very intriguing. Let's take a look at the other side of the bracket. Young Bucks versus Private Party, Lucha Bros versus a boy and his dinosaur. Rick, this is all set up so that we have the Young Bucks versus the Lucha Bros in round two to see who's going to go to the finals. There's a couple of different ways that you could spin this thing. I mean, I could see if the Young Bucks win and if the Lucha Bros win, that's when I could see LAX or PNP, I guess is what they're being called. The Dead Presidents. I want my motherfucking money. Yeah, give them their motherfucking money. Jeez. have been saying this for weeks now. Just go with the Dead Presidents. It's so much better. But I could see them interfering inside of the Young Bucks versus Lucha Bros match. Very similar to We Saw it All Out. Or I could see them costing the Young Bucks and Private Party moves on. And then I could see them turning around and doing the same damn thing to the Lucha Bros. And a boy in his dinosaur move on. And you're left with private party versus a boy and his dinosaur in the second round.
1: Uh, and to me, that's, that was what I was going to kind of lay out there. As though I was just talking about where are they going to get involved, how are they going to get involved. They could cost both of these top these top teams, you know, because that's what everybody's kind of looking at. And almost when you look at you look at that side of the bracket, I'm not really excited about that semifinal match because we talk about this regularly. We feel like we've seen the Bucks and the Lucha Bros every week at somewhere, at some corner of this world, you know, they they're, they seem to wrestle every week.
0: Yep, it's, so it's, it's not definitely that exciting overexposed. To me. I, I completely agree. Uh, who do you like between Private Party and a boy in his dinosaur?
1: Well, to me, as I was laying this thing out and we're talking about if, if LAX is going to get involved here, p is going to get involved here, I haven't get involved with both of those. I really like Private Party. I, I hope that they have a tremendous showing. We're talking about, you know, marketability and and getting people, you know, getting that vibe out there to pull people and get invested, I think you got something special there with Private Party. It, you also have it in in that fun sense with a boy and his dinosaur. Uh, so I think that would be an interesting matchup there, but I think to get to that final, the way I'd set it up would be Private Party and SCU in the final.
0: Everything wants me to say a boy and his dinosaur should win this tournament, but then I have to look back in history and see that the very first AEW tag team champions would be a team called a boy and his dinosaur. And I, I just can't get behind that. The more and more I talk about it, the more and more I'm leaning towards SCU winning this thing.
1: And I think that's the direction they should head in there. And going back, you know, to a boy and his dinosaur. It, it's fun. People are going to love it and you need all sorts, you know, this is a variety show. You need all sorts of personas and characters out there, and these guys—they're going to have a very, you know, important role with AEW going forward. But it's not as a championship team. I mean, this would be almost the same, you know, going back when we crowned the first uh, SmackDown Tag Team Champions—you yeah. know, Heath Slater and Rhino. You know, kind of a throw together where it was a good—it was a good fun story. You know, I got kids and all this, but it was more of a—it was it was comedy routine. and and look what it did where they could have drawn that out a little bit more immediately when you gave them the gold there, there was nothing for them to overly chase, you know, so nothing. So you weren't as invested. People stopped caring.
0: Yep. Completely agreed. Uh, AEW running a couple of commercials this week. Uh, I, I saw one during Monday Night Raw. I also saw one during NXT. I'm not sure if they ran one during SmackDown or not. Um, and a lot of people are immediately jumping to the, uh, this, this feeds into the entire conspiracy that AEW and WWE are in bed together. Uh, I, I hate to poke some holes in your argument, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, USA Network had nothing to do with this. Uh, WWE had nothing to do with this. The way that they go about this, um, and Paul Heyman actually did this back in the early days of ECW, is he would go to the actual cable companies and buy basically local advertisements and then run his national ads. That's how this is being done. This is being done through DirecTV. This is being done through Comcast Cable. This is being done through Mediacom Cable. Like that's exactly what's going on here. And it's absolutely genius. We also saw this when uh, they were running advertisements before uh, the latest Fast and the Furious movie.
1: Yeah. I couldn't, even, I couldn't even believe it, it, that there was a group of people out there that would buy into this, like, Oh, how did they get this, this advertising on, you know, on USA during WWE program. It's because, yeah, they're going to the local markets and they're buying advertising space. Uh, It's not that we all see the same commercials when we're watching television at the same time. You're going to get your local spots.
0: Which is why some of us saw the commercial and others did not. All right, Huckleberry, let's talk a little bit of New Japan Pro Wrestling. Destruction in Kobe went down Sunday morning. And this was absolutely a newsworthy show. Uh, starting off with the Young Lions Cup. The Young Lions Cup coming to its conclusion. Yeah, they they do a G1 for Young Lions over there. That's how they treat their developmental. Uh, going into this thing, Rick, it was laid out like a true Gato tournament. Ren with 10 points needed a big win over Clark Connors, who had six points. Um, he had a win over the, the two gentlemen in the other match, which both also had 10 points. So had Ren Narita won this thing, the tournament would have been over. But of course, Clark Connors gets the big win over Ren Narita, takes him out of the running. So it all comes down to Carl Fredericks from the LA Dojo versus John Moxley's favorite Young Lion, Shota Umino. And wouldn't you know it, the Shibata Dojo, the LA Dojo stands tall at the end of the Young Lions Cup. Atrac Brown was very, very happy. Carl Fredericks wins the Young Lions Cup. What have you got a chance to see much of this kid yet? Uh, just, just a little bit here and there. I haven't, you know, I haven't been able to
1: sit down and watch a complete match of his. Uh, more of the, the highlight reels. But I have to say, you know, everything that, that they're presenting in, you know on that platform, very, very impressive.
0: A little surprised to see somebody from uh, the LA Dojo win this thing.
1: Uh, absolutely not. I mean, they're they're making that hard push over there. They had great success on the last four. They were, you know, they were selling out arenas, uh, great energy amongst the audience and all that. They're trying to get that exposure, and this is this is a great nod for you know a LA Dojo
0: student. Second big match of the night, a rematch from the G1 climax. Hiroki Goto takes on Shingo Takagi. Goto gets the win. Rick, this made me sick that Hiroki Goto got a win over Shingo Takagi. They now stand one-and-one, Shingo getting the win inside of the G1 Climax. Man, these guys are physical together. I I really enjoy watching these matches, and the way that they were building it up on commentary, I hope that we get to see a whole lot more of these matches.
1: Well, I mean, as you're talking about, you know, your exchange wins here, so we're continuing the story going forward. This thing, and it is hard-hitting each and every time these guys hook up, uh, is this going to be a big payoff? Was it King of Pro Wrestling?
0: Um, that's a possibility, but we would also see Hiroki Goto play into the final matchup of the night. IWGP Intercontinental Championship on the line. Tetsuya Naito loses the IWGP Intercontinental Championship to Switchblade Jay White. And then he would be challenged by Hiroki Goto for that belt. Is there any chance that Switchblade just is another transitional champion, drops the belt back to Hiroki Goto, and we get Shingo versus Goto for the Intercontinental Championship? Is there any chance that we get that match? Because I don't think there's any chance that's going to happen. But it's nice to think about, isn't it? Well, I think it's it
1: could go that direction. I don't think they will, though. I think when we, what we're getting here with Switchblade is we're playing into this bigger, you know, the bigger story of merging these belts at Wrestle Kingdom.
0: Yeah, that is certainly the story that is being told here. And I'm terrified that Switchblade Jay White is going to win both of these belts, Rick. I'm absolutely terrified. Of course, this also plays into Kota Ibushi and what we were talking about with Kenny Omega. So the way this thing is looking like it's going to be laid out, there are four guys who are going to be gutting to unite the championship the second night of Wrestle Kingdom, you have Switchblade Jay White, the current IWGP Intercontinental Champion. You have Tetsuya Naito, who says that it is his destino. We have Kota Ibushi, who proposed this entire thing after he won the G1 Climax and the right to challenge for the IWGP Championship at Wrestle Kingdom. Oh yeah, and then there's the rainmaker Kazuchika Okada, the guy that nobody's talking about right now, which is hilarious. The greatest IWGP World Heavyweight Champion of all time time he of course is going to play into this thing too so rick what i'm assuming is going to happen here is we will have some combination of all four of these men we're going to have two matches on night one of wrestle kingdom to crown the the heavyweight champion and the intercontinental champion and then they will face each other on the second night of wrestle kingdom that's the only thing that makes sense
1: but we had talked about this you know a few weeks back when was really, this was really starting to pick up some heat. And we laid it out, you know, as as you were saying, you're terrified that Jay White's going to do this thing. We laid out stories for each of these individuals and and great, great reasons behind. You're you're talking about the Rainmaker, you're talking about Okada. I mean, he is history in the making. This would just be, you know, another notch on that tremendous resume, you know, putting him up there with the all-time elite in professional wrestling. That's your story there. You've got, as you said, It's it's his destiny. This is what he's been chasing. This is what his life has been about. You got Ibushi who is, hey, he's the golden child. Everyone loves him. They would love to see him get this, you know, the accolades from combining these styles. And then there would just be that absolute atomic heat that just pure hate from that New Japan audience that the Switchblade was the one that could get this thing done. All the way around, this is an incredible story And it's going to be one hell of a ride to follow.
0: And I'm going to feel just like Quinn on January 5th of 2020. We're watching this match this morning, Rick. And she was super into Tetsuya Naito. She loves Tetsuya Naito. And Tetsuya Naito takes the pinfall and Jay White wins it. And Jay White starts doing the Buenas Noches Kobe. And he goes through and he names every member of the Bullet Club, just like Naito does in his victory speeches. And he goes through the whole thing and Quinn lets out five years old. Oh, fuck you. Plain as freaking day.
1: And there we have the title of this episode.
0: (laughs) Oh, fuck you. Oh, Dude, it was so funny. Me and Carly just looked at each other and it's like, man, I don't even know if I should scold her right now because, you know, she used the proper context and she used the proper phrasing and, you know, the the proper inflection. Like, she absolutely nailed it. I'm going to feel just like that. Jay White said it, Rick, and we both know that when Jay White says something, It happens. And he said at the end of that show today that on January 5th, he will be standing there holding both belts.
1: Hey, love him or hate him. He doesn't lie very often.
0: Yeah, he's very much like Daniel Bryan in that respect. Very much. So let's go ahead. We'll throw things over to the break get you a word from big Stevie Richards as well as Matthew Schaeffer Gage. We'll be back on the other side. We're going to talk a little bit of WWE draft as well as the NXT debut on USA, a little bit of Raw, some SmackDown, and get you ready for Raw this week. We'll be right back. (laughs) Hey, everyone, this is Stevie Richards. When I'm not doing Stevie Richards Fitness, well, actually, when I am doing Stevie Richards Fitness Resistance Band Training
1: Programs, I like to listen to my friends on the Voices of Misery podcast. They talk about literally everything and anything, some stuff that might offend you. So if you're not easily offended, don't subscribe because they say whatever is on their minds is actually, actually subscribe. Subscribe anyway, you might learn something and check them out anywhere you can download and listen to your favorite podcast and, of course, check them out at voicesofmisery.podbean.com
0: Hey, are you tired of hearing the same old mainstream rock and roll and metal bands? Do you like the mainstream rock and roll and metal bands? Well, guess what? Rat Salad Review talks about both, so you're in luck. Join hosts Wayne Noon, Greg Noggle, and Uncle Saxon as they discuss the latest metal and hard rock albums as well as some trips down memory lane. Rat Salad Review also discusses the latest rock and roll and metal news interviews, albums versus albums, contests, and whatever else is on their mind. Of course, with Uncle Saxon having the mic and a story to tell, you never know what's going to come out of his mouth. So check out RatsaladReview.com, search RatsaladReview on YouTube, Twitch, BitChute, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and let's get metal! Alright, so we're back for segment two. Shout out to our sponsors this month, voicesofmisery.podbean.com, as well as ratsaladreview.com. Going on rat salad on Tuesday. Talk some Halloween. Looking forward to that. Uh, Huckleberry, before we jump into uh, the WWE stuff, a couple of notes here. Number one, yeah, shout out to The Miz. Madison Jade has now joined the world. So we now have Mike and Maurice and Monroe and Madison. They're now the M family, if not the it family. So congratulations to uh, one of Huckleberry's old beer pong nemesis there, Mike the Miz. Um, Huckleberry, there's something else going on in New Japan that we gotta talk about. And that is Jushin Thunder Liger. Jushin Thunder Liger has lost his damn mind. Minoru Suzuki has completely driven him crazy. He's tried unmasking him several times throughout uh, this destruction tour and this morning, Rick, it, it, it reached a culmination. It, it, we now have Kishin Liger. Have you heard about this Kishin Liger thing before I turned you on to this story?
1: I was going to say, uh, until until you gave me the info, until you turned me on to it, had no idea that this existed,
0: and I almost wish that you hadn't told me because it is absolutely terrifying. It's freaking... Absolutely terrifying. Awesome. I love this so much. So the background on Kishin Liger, all right? This this is what happens when you make Jushin Thunder Liger mad. Thirty years of Jushin Thunder Liger. This has only happened three times. It happened once in 1996 in a matchup with the Great Muda. Uh, it, it happened against in 2006 against Bad Boy Hideo. and that it's just it, it's been this this demon inside of Jushin Thunder Liger who already looks like a demon. It, it's absolutely insane. You take off the mask and suddenly you have evil Jushin Thunder Liger. That's basically what's going on here. The last time this happened, it was Tai Chi. I,
1: I was going to say, you know, just the, it, the imagery, uh, the viciousness that you can just pick up from just a simple picture of it I mean, it makes the Fiend look like Mary Poppins. He
0: tried to stab Minoru Suzuki in the head this morning with a ring spike, one of those big spikes that they use to, you know, tighten the turnbuckles. Liger's got a hold of one of these damn things, and he goes running at Suzuki, who's in the corner laying up against the table. Thank God Suzuki got out of the way. Liger drives the spike halfway through a freaking Japanese table. I mean, and he was hidden right for his head. Minoru Suzuki ran away in fear. This is awesome. One of, one of the
1: things that I'm pretty sure we were making a list of things that we would never see happen in professional wrestling, right up there near the damn top, would have been Suzuki running away from a fight. And we absolutely got that this morning.
0: Fantastic stuff. Uh, The the cover art for this uh, week's episode is that picture of Minoru Suzuki backstage after getting into a fight with Kishin Liger. Uh, This match is going to happen, Rick. Uh, It's just a matter of when and it's a matter of how. Um, Myself and Seth Kennedy, we were talking about it this morning. This has to be Wrestle Kingdom, right? This has to go down at Wrestle Kingdom.
1: Well, you know, we had... This was kind of presented to us. We had Suzuki calling him out. They wanted Lager without the mask. He said, you know, you're you're hiding behind it. I want the real monster. I want you. He threw it out there. We had a conversation about this off air yesterday. We were talking about, and this is going to be a tremendous draw for Wrestle Kingdom. This is going to be spectacular. And I was a, I was very shocked that we saw this so early. And it makes me a little worried that they might do this at King of Pearl wrestling.
0: Yeah. I'm right there with you. And I think that would absolutely be a mistake. Um, I I think the way I would do it. I, well, I guess the big question is then what is the Jushin Liger wrestle kingdom match? Like if they do this at King of Pearl wrestling, what's the wrestle kingdom match then?
1: Well, and then I'd be worried as you know, On top of that, you know, he ends up like in the battle royal or the royal rumble or whatever.
0: Yeah, and and that would be awful because he's already announced that that's when he's going to be done. I feel like you do this night one of Wrestle Kingdom, and then like night two of Wrestle Kingdom, I you you could do anything ranging from. Jushin Liger and Tiger Mask tagging to go up against whoever the junior tag team champions are at that time. Maybe they run through and they win World Tag League and you you have that be the night two matchup, so you actually get a proper farewell to Jushin Thunder Liger. I don't think you want his last match to be Kashin Liger, though. What well,
1: I kind of like how you laid it out there. Maybe you go into night one, you have that match. Night two, do we necessarily need a match? Can we just have a celebration of Liger?
0: Yeah, that's possible as well. Hmm. And of course, the celebration of Liger ends with Shota Umino taking him out and putting on the Jushin Liger mask, right? Let me have. There my we fantasy. go. You got it. You got it. Get out of it. Let me have my fantasy. Uh, Huckleberry, the WWE talk for the week. Um, I, I guess the biggest story. Uh, coming out of this thing has got to be that the draft is going to be returning. I brought this up last Monday on The Locker Room, but of course you weren't with me. Uh, The WWE draft returns on October 4th and will continue on October 11th. One thing I do like about this and the way that they have it laid out, this thing can start on SmackDown on Friday. They can carry it across social media over the course of the weekend, and then it concludes Monday on Raw.
1: Very interesting how they're doing this overall, though. The most important thing that they need to do here is in the presentation. You know how we've seen these things in the past where they're just randomly, you know, switching talents back and forth They didn't give us any guidelines. We didn't know any of the rules. There's no structure with this thing. If you're going to give you want to get people invested, you want to get people involved. The blueprint's already laid out there for you. Look at the success of the draft with the NFL, with the NBA, just copy that. Give us war rooms. Let us know who's making the picks representing each of these brands. Give us some, you know, show the war room. Have some legends sitting in giving advice. You know, we, let's get this individual here. We're going to sign them to this kind of deal. And then, and as you're letting us know what kind of deals they're getting signed to and where they're heading, then you can use that later on for like contract negotiations and moving talents back and forth at certain times.
0: One thing that we do know that has come out of these announcements is it is going to be a hard split. It is going to be two very different rosters as well as two very different creative teams. Um, Rick, this is going to get real, real interesting when it comes to NBC Universal as well as Fox and them buying for talent. They have to bring this on camera. They have to. This is going to be one of the most intriguing things they can possibly do. Oh,
1: absolutely. And and you're going to want to see all that insight. You're going to really want to see how this thing lays out. And the more that you show that, as I was saying, that's when you're going to get people investing. They're going to care about it. Where, you know, in the past, it just randomly happens. We don't give a crap about it.
0: I've also found it interesting that, Right before the draft, we're bringing everybody back. There's been a whole bunch of returns here lately. We've seen Luke Harper return. We've seen Rusev return. We've seen AOP return. It now sounds like Sheamus has been cleared, so he's going to be returning. No mention of Finn Balor, Rick.
1: Well, I think you want to have some surprises in there, don't you? Uh, Because, you know, we, we kept saying with Finn, you know, let him go away. You don't want to mention him. Now, how can we miss you if, if your house hasn't been gone that long? And, and I think that's maybe the case that they're going with Finn there.
0: I think it's very interesting the way that they're they're kind of putting together this calendar of events because some things just don't make sense to me. We'll talk about it here as we, we go through this. Uh, NXT debuted this past Wednesday on USA Network. 1.71 million viewers. Rick, what did you think of this number when you saw it? Is it higher, lower, or about what you expected? Well, I think I think it's a good
1: benchmark. Now we know where we're at. Where was that in comparison to when they ran the special last December?
0: The When they ran the special last December, it was 841,000. So about, up about 300,000 viewers.
1: Well, I think that's a great improvement there. Uh, it shows that you've got more awareness, that you're educating the, the consumer, the viewer. So they are tuned in for this thing. And- you know, a lot of people were very interested to see how this thing was going to play out. How is it going to be presented? And, you know, some people were disappointed. They didn't think it was over the top enough. Uh, some other people really enjoyed it. I think it's, it's got mixed reviews, and I think that's what they want there. Now it's time to keep evolving here. Uh, I'm looking at this thing as we're getting these one hours leading up to the big head-to-head coming in October. To me, this is like the preseason. This is a dress rehearsal. And it's just not, you know, for the talent there we got to think about backstage. Now, sure, WWE does tremendous live television, but this group that we have here under Triple H's team, they're not so used to this, and they're going to have to learn very quickly on the fly. So these dress rehearsals are very important to them.
0: Do you consider the 1.171 million, do you consider that a ceiling or a floor? Do you expect the number to go up or down this week?
1: As I said, you know, I think that's where you're going to begin measuring yourself at. Uh, I don't think it. I wouldn't call it either one. You know, that's what I'm going to judge these these trials. You know, what do we have trials? Three three different shows before we get to it.
0: Um, two, I think. I, I this show okay. and I think this week's show will also be one hour. Um, and then we go to the two hours live on USA and AEW starts.
1: Okay. So going into this week, certainly you're shooting for that slight increase. And then, as you go to that two-hour, you certainly want that boom. And, and I wanted to kind of talk to you about this. How would you, what is your, your game plan, your attack for each of these sides, for NXT, for AEW, just to even open up those shows head-to-head with one another? I mean, how do you get, how do you come out of the gates, Byron?
0: Well, we, we kind of know now. Um, we, we know that NXT opened with the women's four-way. And AEW is going to open with Cody versus Sammy Gawarva.
1: Very sweet to me. So which one of those grabs you the most?
0: Well, it's it's clearly got to be Sammy versus Sammy Gawarva, right? I mean, that that's going to end up being a much more significant match than what I think this women's four-way was. What, what did you think of opening with a women's four-way for your first match on USA Network? I thought that was a very interesting no, decision.
1: Well, I'm talking with – again, that's a dress rehearsal to me. I'm talking about when they actually go head-to-head. I'm hmm. talking about that night where they are live one-on-one with one another, not going back to what we just saw here. So To me, again, that was fine. Go out there, let the ladies get, some, you know, get that shine. You're letting – you're establishing right away in your preseason, if you will, that this division is important to us and our ladies can absolutely go. Uh, It looks better than anything that you see out of, you know, the red and blue ladies divisions.
0: I think if I'm NXT, I open the first show on USA network with Adam Cole and possibly the rest of the undisputed era behind him with all the gold. If I'm AEW, I open straight up with the match.
1: So okay, so with the kind of just presenting this is this is our this is our major force here. They they rule the rooster in here, they hold all the gold, to bring them out with a talking segment. Is that going to hold up against a match? Uh, I would love to see let's if I'm NXT, I love your idea with Cole. I open up, I have him defend against the dream.
0: Well, we do know that this week on NXT, well, kind of looking at the main event from last week, it was Matt Riddle versus Killian Dane in a street fight, and all mass hell broke out, right? So after the show, William Regal comes out, and he says, "Uh uh-uh, this thing is not ending in a no contest. This is a street fight. So this week on USA Network, we're going to have the continuation of Matt Riddle versus Killian Dane in a street fight, and both of these guys have a little bit of motivation as whoever wins this match will become the de facto number one contender for Adam Cole and the NXT championship, I think you absolutely could open up with a back and forth between Adam Cole and Matt Riddle, or potentially you even open with a contract signing, and you say, hey, these are the two stars of this show, they're going to be facing off for the championship, I don't know if that's going to happen at TakeOver, or if that's going to happen on a regular show on USA
1: you know what I'm thinking about this now coming out of the gate in a head to head. I know Mr. Omega, this isn't a war, but you got to make, you got to make a statement. I would actually, you know what I do? I go ahead and advertise. I have riddle go over that match and advertise our first main event for our two hour on USA is going to be riddle challenging Adam Cole for the NXT championship. Well, go ahead and announce that. So you got a, you got a blockbuster main event. And then I'd open that show with Candace taking that women's championship off of Baszler.
0: Yeah, because we do have it announced now that Candace LeRae won that fatal four-way between herself, Mia Yim, Bianca Belair, and Io Shirai. She is now the number one contender for Shayna Baszler, and that match is going to be happening on October 2nd on the first episode. So you bookend the two shows with the two championships?
1: That's, absolutely. I mean, you talk about excitement. You got people hooked throughout your show. You can tell a story between Riddle and Cole throughout that show to keep people interested, keep them coming back to your program. And then I'd have a, I'd have a, a chaos finish again. You know, I'd have it where we don't have any, a, a certain winner and we're going to get, you know, we're, we're going to settle this down the road at a takeover. So tune in next week to see the, the next chapter in this story.
0: Were you surprised at all at the way NXT was presented on USA, that it just looked like the regular NXT show?
1: Uh, again, you know these are, these are the baby steps. They're trying they, they probably wanted to see how it's actually going to look for themselves. So I expect that we're going to get some tweaks a little bit, uh, but you know, going back to you know, what Kenny Omega was talking about, it's going to look very different when you see Aew with 10,000 sold out as opposed to NXT at full sale with you know, a couple hundred, right? Maybe a1,000 or so.
0: You know, I've always thought that it doesn't matter. I've always thought that if the wrestling is good, if the characters are good, and the storylines are good, that people are going to watch it, regardless of what the setting looks like. And then I watched NXT last week, and Hunter throws back that curtain, and you see that opening shot of Full Sail, and my first thought was, wow, that place looks small. Wow, that looks really minor league. I mean, compared to what AEW is going to put out in front of 10,000 people sold out in Washington, D.C., I don't know, man. Full sale looks awful small, but I don't trust them to take that brand on the road.
1: Well, and, and especially this early, they're going to have to work through that. And and that's more in the presentation. They're going to have to come up with a way to shoot and present that thing where it, it you can hide the weaknesses of the arena. And they can do that. They're, and their production team, they're over the top. They're tremendous. They're going to work those kinks out. I don't have any doubt I don't think that's going to sway me as much, but you are right. It's they're going to look completely different, and, and a little bit of me though, I'm with you. I kind of I like that that intimate setting. You know, I, I love going back to when you know when Raw was running those smaller arenas and you didn't have the over the top production or or ECW shows or I like, I love going to local indie shows and what they and what they bring. Yeah, but, I love the intimacy of, of a small arena, but it's gonna, they are going to look very different.
0: But isn't that one thing that gave WCW a huge boost straight out of the gate once Nitro premiered? I mean, you know, WWE is running the uh, event center there in uh, New York City. What, what the hell is the name of that room? I can't think of what it's called right now.
1: Well, over at the Manhattan Center?
0: Yes, the Manhattan Center. That's what it's called. They're running the Manhattan Center and Nitro is live on TNT and they're running these huge buildings with these crazy sets. That was one of the reasons that people started tuning into WCW was just because it looked more major league than WWE at the time. Isn't this going to be a huge advantage for AEW straight out of the gate just like that?
1: Why well, I- I think so, but you're going to you're going to be in the sway people with that. You know, ultimately comes down to the entering action, the personas, and the storylines. But don't stop forgetting, you know, the first Nitro came from the Mall of America.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's true. Of course, there also wasn't WWE on TV that night. You know, which which I think is one of the more understated things that happened during the war. Uh, the other big issue that they have is the NWO. I mean, the Undisputed Era, because now we have the same exact problem. Rick, how long can they present to us that the Undisputed Era are heels when they come out and interfere in Roderick Strong's match... And the crowd is cheering Adam Cole for costing the babyface the championship and the heels claiming all the gold. Like, this is a real NWO-like situation like we had going on in WCW, where the NWO were playing the heels, but they were super over and buried all the babyfaces. I'm afraid that's about to happen in NXT. Well,
1: you've you've got something cool that people want to be a part of. So in your booking, what you got to do is play to your strengths right now, and especially because you got this this tough competition head to head. Who's been out there and said, you know, we are going to listen to the crowd. We're going to let the people. We're going to we're going to roll out personas and let people react how they're going to react, and we'll adjust on the fly, you know, accordingly. They're going to have to start playing too. playing to this you know this crowd, just taking towards Undisputed era. I mean, make make them the cool group, you know, the cool group. They're going to need them right now.
0: Would you consider turning the Undisputed Era babyface?
1: Uh, I think you, you walk that line, not like a traditional baby, but in you know, embrace their activity. You know, embrace that they're that cleaner, that those bad boys. Because that's what people want to relate to.
0: Well, we also saw the debut on this week's episode of NXT of Imperium, Walter's group. And Imperium comes out. They absolutely destroy poor Denzel DeJournette. And then Walter comes out, joins the rest of the group in the ring. The crowd's going absolutely insane for freaking Walter. I don't know why they didn't put this portion of the show on USA Network and actually present Walter as a star. But I can't help but wonder. There's four members of Imperium. There's four members of the Undisputed Era. We have the two champions of the respected brands. Could this be the beginning of War Games? Could we see Undisputed Era versus Imperium in War Games?
1: I was just going to say, what event do we have looming? We've got that big, we've got that big two-ring cage match coming up, and it's going to be absolute hell if you get these two teams in there locked up with one another.
0: Okay, but by default. Doesn't that turn Undisputed Era babyface? I mean, they're representing North American NXT in North America. Imperium is clearly far more heel than what Undisputed Era is at this point. Doesn't that kind of, by de facto, turn Undisputed Era?
1: Oh yeah, and especially because I mean, you got nations, you know, going head to head here. Uh, absolutely, but I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't change everything that they're doing. Don't make them that traditional you know, straight baby, let them still have their edge. Let them be cool, but just embrace it.
0: I think the other problem that presents with Roderick Strong, finally fulfilling Adam Cole's prophecy that in 2019, the undisputed era would be draped in gold. Can you tie up all those championships in one match? What the hell else do you do for the rest of the show? Why?
1: I think, you know, you've got enough talent there. You've got the dynamic that you could, you could get away with it. Uh, you come up with a big women's match that you can put on that undercard for, you know, that big highlighted singles championship match. And then you just go to go to war inside that cage. Uh, you were making a comparison with Undisputed with the NWO and how you want them to be those, those hard-nosed heels. But the crowd is just taken to them. They love them. That's why we got the Pack.
0: Yeah, I mean, make, that's true. Make the Undisputed air the Pack. That's a good point. That's interesting. Uh, Let's talk a little bit about Monday Night Raw from this past week as well as SmackDown Live. Monday Night Raw, we're going to get Seth Rollins versus The Fiend inside of Hell in a Cell. Rick, I need you to convince me this is something other than the slow burial of Seth Rollins because I don't know how in the world a babyface champion goes into Hell in a Cell against The Fiend, and there's no way that you can have – any finish other than the fiend beating Seth Rollins and the crowd's gonna pop for it. If you do any kind of a screwy ass finish, it kind of negates the entire point of hell in a cell, doesn't it?
1: Well, once again here, we've got you're talking about the the burial, the the slow death of Seth Rollins. That's been happening since WrestleMania.
0: Absolutely. I mean, he this is just been, the final nail in struggling. the coffin. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, he has been struggling.
1: And, you know, ultimately it did him zero favors. You know, a week run as champion. Uh, and then when they tried to embrace the thing with him and Becky and go public with that, make that into some huge story that just completely flopped for him, he hasn't, had, he hasn't been in the right direction for a while. Uh, and, and on the flip side of that, how hot is there anyone in the company re- even remotely close enough to how hot The Fiend and Bray Wyatt is right now?
0: I feel like this is a lose lose for everybody. You know, like there's no way Seth Rollins can possibly come out positive in this. I If The Fiend walks away with the Universal Championship, I feel like it's way too soon. And I'm not sure that I like that character as champion to begin with. He can't possibly freaking lose. And the only people that are going to lose here is WWE, because I, I don't see any way that you can spin this with it being a hell in a cell match, which makes absolutely no freaking sense to me that the blow off of all blow offs is going to be the starting point of this feud like I how do you get out of
1: this I mean is this where we see the beginning of the program between you know the fiend and the undertaker
0: I mean you you could play into that with what happened with uh Kane last week
1: right you know it's it's finally I mean we've seen these other legends and you tie in some things you've already you immediately you have to tie in with Kane which I thought they went a little too early with that as well but maybe that's what they're setting up here uh, when we think about Hell in the Cell, you know who was the first victim of the Fiend well, it was was Mick Foley. When you think about Hell in the Cell, you think about Mick Foley and the Undertaker. So maybe that's where they tie this all together. you know, not can see the Undertaker coming through the ring here and and dragging the Fiend down to Hell or something. And that's our screwy finish. I mean, they can work themselves out of it. I'm not saying that I would enjoy it or endorse it, but there are you know they do have options.
0: Pretty worried about this entire program going forward. We had Braun Strowman absolutely destroy both sets of tag team champions and, in the meantime, bury both tag team divisions. Rick, what the hell are they thinking on this?
1: Well, you know, here again, we've got Braun Strowman. This is, this is their go-to card with him. They, they don't have – I don't know if it's they, they don't have the faith in him or, you know, it just goes back to that mindset of they see him as, all right, he's that big guy, novelty act. Nah, nobody will. They they won't care. Whenever we need to push him into a main event, we will. But that's already worn thin. And you've almost killed that with this last program with Seth Rollins. How short lived that was. And, and they're going back to this again. We don't have anything for him to do. Go beat up a couple of people so you look like a badass. Now you're beating up not just a couple of people. You're beating up tag team champions. So you go ahead and you crap all over your division again.
0: Yeah, I just I didn't understand the logic to that whatsoever. Cedric Alexander's push has come to an end, as I predicted last Monday inside the locker room. Rick, I I, I don't even understand this because we have seen this now with Cedric Alexander. We we saw it with Buddy Murphy. Where in the hell is Ricochet at these days? I I what are they? They just refuse to make new stars.
1: Well, it's not even that new stars. They just don't want to make stars. Uh, it's all you know, cookie cutter same model, roll it off the assembly line. Let's put it out there. When you were talking, you know, last week about, you know, the push being over, you know, I mentioned too, he, he's got that look, he's got that athleticism. I think they're just going to rotate him and ricochet into that kind of that role that they need for that different look that athleticism, that high flyer. We're going to see those two just rotate in this position, uh, just continually throughout, you know, their, their run in WWE.
0: Just awful. All hail King. Fuck face. Baron Corbin is your King of the Ring, at least Tuesday on SmackDown. We saw Chad Gable come out and just destroy the the scepter and the cape and all that crap. Are we actually going to get King Fuckface, or did Chad Gable put an end to all that and nobody seemed to care?
1: As we were setting up, you know, laying out our brackets and talking, you know, hyping up King of the Ring, we were both pretty set against please don't make this into a gimmick. But if anybody was going to emerge from this thing and could make that king, that royalty gimmick kind of work, I mean, that's, that's right up there in Corbin's alley.
0: Do you want to see him as like a cartoony king or do you want to see him come out just the same way that he has been super pissed off at Chad Gable because Chad Gable ruined his coronation?
1: Well, and not like the cheesy king. I don't want like the king of cartoon sort of gimmick or, or he starts talking with an accent, but you know, really, You know, really hammer home that you are now, you know, you were a former general, you worked for the authority, blah, 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 money in the bank, all these things. And now you are, you are truly wrestling royalty, you know, just hammer that home in that, in that smug way that he is so perfect at.
0: Who is not wrestling royalty is the women's tag team champions. Team Hell Yeah, all they do is lose unless the championships are on the line. We saw it go down last week against the Ratchet Connection. And then, of course, we saw Becky and Charlotte get involved in this thing, basically solidifying Charlotte as a babyface. Rick, what do you think of your precious Shar Shar once again as a babyface?
1: Uh, again, just a bad move. If you wanted her, you know, to walk that fine line in that tweener spot, that's fine. But she is not good as a baby and this thing is just going to backfire. But you know what, what the hell at this point, this, the entire division I don't know what set of championships you're talking about, it's an absolute train wreck and a joke and there's nothing of interest involved in it.
0: Is there any chance that they just unify the women's championship? at hell in a cell because like the way it feels like they're building this thing, they could easily pivot this thing into a four way winner takes all.
1: Well, again, though, you know, how are we going to lay out for this draft? You know, does each are the shows going to want champions for each, you know, potential division represented on their network.
0: See, I think what I would do, I think I would unify all the championships. I think I would have one women's champion, one WWE champion, one set of women's championships, and then you, you can have the Intercontinental and U.S. on the two shows as as a mid-card title. But I, I think it would add prestige back to the championship if you just had one champion who floated between both shows.
1: Well, it, but again, it goes back to it's not about what Jardim wants. It's about what the executives want. And they say, hey, I don't want, you know, Roman Reigns representing both shows. I want him on my show.
0: Then then Roman Reigns loses the title. You know? I mean that's- Well, no, no, that's anyway, that's what they're saying. They're But they could say, "Hey, we don't want we don't want anybody.
1: It doesn't have to be Roman Reigns. It could be Champion X. We don't want anybody from our show appearing on USA."
0: I think people. I mean, we are, don't know
1: what those conversations are with, that they're having.
0: I think people are starting to realize that when you have shows where ten championships are defended, that nobody is actually a champion. I, I firmly support doing a women's four-way hell in a cell. Just unify the freaking titles.
1: Goes back to what the net, what what the conversations are with the networks. I'm, I'm all for. I'm with you, but there might just be something handcuffing them from doing that.
0: On SmackDown, we saw a New Day take on Randy Orton and the Revival before Brock Lesnar came for the end of Wakanda. Was this the blow off? Just just having the the six man tag was this the, officially the end of Kofi Kingston, Randy Orton for now?
1: Uh, I, potentially. I, I think they would maybe revisit it. Uh, right now, I think they're kind of in a holding phase. As you know, we're talking about what the networks want. I think they're maybe in a holding phase about where they're going to send these talents and what this game plan is going to be going forward. I'm sure right now it is very, a very more than usual hectic situation inside WWE headquarters.
0: So we're going to get the beast versus Kofi. Um, Rick, I I think we all know that this is the beginning of Brock Lesnar as WWE champion once again, but the real question is how would you book it? Is this thing going to be a squash? Is, is Brock gonna go out there and just destroy Kofi Kingston, or does Kofi actually give Brock Lesnar a match, kind of like we've seen with AJ Styles, like we've seen with Finn Balor, like we've seen with Seth Rollins? Is this gonna be a match well, or is up, this gonna know, be a squash?
1: This is uh what Kofi Brock two Kofi versus the Beast two. I mean, we saw this over in Japan.
0: Oh yeah, um, that's right. A couple right. years ago. That's right. I forgot. Saw a about couple that. years ago. Uh, Right now, with how you
1: build up Kofi, and we keep talking about what the networks want, you got to believe this is a major play on the networks. If we're going to get Brock as a champion, and and someone's going to be forking out some major bucks to have him representing that brand, Uh, but. I think the way Kofi's had a tremendous run. He's been something that's been, been a very bright spot in WWE since WrestleMania. A great run. If he is going to drop it here, let him go out as a fighting champion, as the champion that we've come to know and we've come
0: to love. Brock Lesnar's first match on TV since 2004. That just seems insane to me. Since 2004. It's pretty crazy. Is this just leading to Brock Lesnar and Roman Reigns at WrestleMania? I mean, I'll just ask it straight up. Is that is that where this is going?
1: Going back to the, the original game plan? Going back to almost hitting a reset there.
0: I I mean, I guess. I guess. I mean they, they they've done a hell of a job of trying to keep Roman Reigns out of the championship picture, you know. They they had attempted manslaughter, which is not even a thing. Like you can't attempt to commit manslaughter. God, I'm not even a lawyer.
1: Uh, I guess all signs point to yes. I guess I guess it's something, and you're right, they have done a, a great job of keeping, keeping Roman kind of out of sight, keeping him hidden there. Uh, but we all knew it was only a, a matter of time before he was going to reemerge and move it back to the top of that
0: card. Yay, here we go again. Brock Lesnar, Roman Reigns. Woo! Uh, Eric Rowan. We, we got to see Rowan cut a promo this past week on Smackdown live. And now he's been reunited with Luke Harper. I, I wasn't real big on it last Monday in the locker room. What do you think about the repairing of Harper and Rowan?
1: Uh, you know what? We had talked about it and it made a lot of sense, but I was still surprised by it that they brought them back together. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see where, where they really are going to go forward with these guys. Is it, are they going to go back into focus in the tag team action? Are they just working as allies? I think there's some interest there.
0: If, if they're going to be two singles, I firmly support it. If they're just putting the Bludgeon Brothers back together, I don't care.
1: Well, at that point, it's not, so, it's not necessarily that you don't care about the talent. It's as we were just talking about. We don't care about the division. Right. Yeah. It's just. I mean, it's like a death sentence. So, okay, you're going to be back in tag team competition. You're going to be going after, you know, so-and-so, whoever the champs are this week, blah, blah, blah. You immediately stop caring. It's yeah. not the talent. It's because the division is so bad that they've conditioned us to not give a shit about it.
0: So let's talk about this Kevin Owens situation. Kevin Owens has been fired by Shane McMahon. And now we know that Kevin Owens is suing the WWE for wrongful termination from Shane McMahon because nothing screams badass, like, let me go get my lawyers involved. Um, Kevin Owens suing the WWE for $25 million as well as his job back, evidently, which makes absolutely no sense. Uh, Shane McMahon has said that, you know, due to the events of uh, the lawsuit, he is going to allow Kevin Owens to participate on the overseas tours that SmackDown is on. I think that's awfully gracious of the best in the world. Rick, uh, did they hear us say that this entire attempted murder storyline of Roman Reigns was the worst? angle that they've done in years and they were like hold my beer
1: I was just dude you, you sold my line on this one it's not the Roman Reigns angle is bad well here we go guys here we go this is absolutely terrible I look like, bad badass let me go get my lawyer hey remember that when, when Stone Cold lawyered up Oh when yeah. when Vince McMahon was trying to run him out of the company
0: I mean remember all those, all those times uh, that, poor Kevin Owens he's got to be begging to go to NXT at this point right well and then that's the other thing in here Wrongful
1: termination okay well, you, you get that okay Maybe you do go sue that's, why ha- that's what happens in the real world You don't have in your Case that you want to continue working there <laughs>
0: yeah. I want my job back I'm gonna sue you for it I mean What the fuck man What the fuck Just It's so bad that you don't Even know where to begin You know
1: Well, and this thing—it's just been bad from the get-go. So why why should we? Why were we expecting it to get any better?
0: That's a valid question. Well, you know what? I'm really excited about this episode of Monday Night Raw. Let's throw it over to your Monday Night Raw preview. Yeah, I can't even say that I'm excited for this episode of Raw with a straight face as I'm sitting here laughing, looking at this graphic. Huckleberry tonight. It's going down. Rey Mysterio versus Ricochet versus AJ Styles versus Robert Roode, versus Shinsuke Nakamura. That's right. We've got a fatal five-way and the winner of this match is going to challenge Seth Rollins for the Universal Championship next week live on Monday Night Raw. What?
1: What what was it that... Hold on. What was it that Quinn yelled at at Jay White? What the fuck?! (laughs) Yes, WWE, take notice uh, of Lil' Quinn's message there. What the fuck, indeed? This is absolute BS. Again, can we... <laughs> I, I don't know why I'm expecting anything else, because they do this every geez, every month, right? What's, the hell with personas and storylines and, and intriguing matchups and getting people emotionally invested. No, let's just arbitrarily run out a bunch of BS, hit a bunch of spots, Out of nowhere, give somebody an opportunity to challenge for a championship. Absolute hot garbage. Once again, WWE, you're you're top of your headline. I will not be watching.
0: So Rey Mysterio, I can't even tell you when the last time he won a match was. And, you know, he was contemplating retirement here a couple of weeks ago. We have Ricochet, who I don't think has won a match since he dropped the title to AJ Styles. We have Shinsuke. It's
1: his turn now in the rotation.
0: Right. Uh, Then we have AJ, the United States champion. Okay, I can understand that. We have Shinsuke Nakamura, the Intercontinental Champion. I could understand that too, except that we all keep forgetting that Shinsuke Nakamura has the Intercontinental Championship because his manager, Sami Zayn, is a hell of a lot more interesting than he is. And then we have Bobby fucking Rude. What in the fuck has Bobby Rude done to get himself into a fatal five way for the WWE Universal Championship? well come on
1: I mean you're, you're a tag team champion you just got your ass destroyed by Braun Strowman I, I think that's right up there it
0: qualifies you hell I send him to Wrestlemania right now yeah I, I mean you fucking book it man let's book it You give me Brock Lesnar versus Robert Roode in the main event of Wrestlemania next year I that will put some asses in seats
1: Robbie, at this, I mean, it makes not as much sense as anything else they're doing.
0: It'll be a glorious WrestleMania. Uh, then, Huggle Mary, we have the Firefly Funhouse advertised. And they're like, what's going to happen on the Firefly Funhouse? Bray Wyatt's going to lose his fucking shit because you got Seth Rollins defending the fucking title four goddamn days before he's going to challenge for it at fucking Hell in a Cell. That's what's going to happen on the fucking Firefly Funhouse tonight. And if that's not what happens, then who fucking cares? Sorry.
1: So none of that will happen.
0: Sorry, bye. I- I, I, I got some hate mail last week that I didn't have enough, you know, swear redden rants and I've I've been holding that one up for two weeks. But what the uh, fuck, you man? Got, what you the got fuck? Your hate mail because you're not hating enough. Yeah, yeah. Evidently I was too calm on the on the on the solo Monday locker room last week. Uh it, it, what the fuck? Like I just I don't even understand it. Like you already have the championship match booked. For Hell in a Cell, which is a short build to begin with. So, you know, let's have a Fatal Five way to declare a number one contender so Seth can defend the title four days before, you know, this big match that we got coming up. Like, who the, what the fuck, who is writing this shit? Well, and all it, all it really does, you know, outside
1: of, you know, what you're talking about, if you're, if you're Bray, if you're a fiend how furious you are about over the situation. I mean, you're preparing for a championship. You want to make sure you know that champion is and you give your best effort there, but what it really does, it's telling us the cell's not that important anymore. I mean, that should be something that you want to highlight these competitors going, it's going to change their lives forever. You want them focused. You don't want, especially your champ, the guy that's the face of your brand. You don't want to have him happen to be distracted by something. This is just be a terrifying life-changing experience. But nah, it's not that big of a deal. Shit, you can defend four days beforehand. You'll be ready to go in no time. So thank you. You've once again, WWE, in a roundabout way, shit all over your gimmick, even more so than by just forcing it on us because it's October. We've got to have hell in the cell. You've already ruined it there, but you've further downgraded it with just your complete uh, uh, asinine mindset.
0: The only thing that makes any logical sense to me at this point is that Jim Cornette is booking Monday Night Raw because whoever is booking Monday Night Raw obviously hates Seth fucking Rollins, right? Like if there was a heel authority figure who was trying to screw Seth out of the championship on a weekly sort of basis, maybe I could understand this, but as it is, I don't even know who makes the fucking matches on Monday Night Raw anymore. God, like five guys all looked at Seth Rollins fucking belt at the same time. Oh, we got to have a match. Double cheese, double onion, motherfucker. Uh, so this week we're going to have the boss, Sasha Banks versus Nikki Cross. That match is going to happen. Because you know we didn't get enough of this bullshit last week. Um, Rick, is this going to result in the Ratchet Connection taking the women's championships, the tag team championships from Team Hell Yeah? Is that is that the end game here?
1: Oh, you mean the same championships that was the reason Sasha left because she didn't care about them, that they were garbage to her? Right. Yeah, th- those ones, those belts. <laughs> Oh, but now, now, so now, but they say so it can be draped in gold. Now they're interested in those.
0: Well, uh, yeah, because not, again, it's not like you know Sasha is is trying to get the Raw Women's Championship from Becky Lynch. That's not that's not a storyline going on. And it's not like you know we have Sasha or er, er, not Sasha, Charlotte and Bailey, you know, feuding over the SmackDown Women's Title. That's not a thing going on. Let's let let's let's get the Ratchet Connection back their Women's Tag Team Championships. Let's further, confuse, let's further confuse everything. Like We know there's not a whole lot of depth, but at
1: least pretend and try to get other, some of the other female talent involved with your tag division. I mean, why are we confusing this whole situation at the top with, with these talents here? Absolute hot garbage. Where, oh, where is the, uh, the VP of what the fuck Ben here? I mean, this is absolutely why they need him in this position. You know he'd have this all straightened out. It's just, again... A complete clusterfuck.
0: In the meantime, Asuka's going to Iron Maiden concerts and hanging out with the lead singer of backstage. You know? I mean, because why not? Draw your own conclusions or listen to last week's locker room. Chad Gable's going to square off with King Fuckface. That match is going to happen tonight on Monday Night Raw. They're they're, they're doing a rematch. I can only assume this is because Chad Gable destroyed... The, the the king gimmick for for king fuckface.
1: And again, I mean, what is this fifty fifty booking like? If if cable gets this win back, that it, it's is that supposed to be just as good as is winning the tournament or something like that?
0: Does that make him half king? Man, why? why are, yeah, that's not even like a the short prince joke? or something. Yeah, that's not even a the, short the prince. Joke. Yeah. Yeah, the the fresh prince of SmackDown Live. I don't know, man. Like, I I just, I don't understand what they're doing. And it's like you said earlier, do they, are are they even trying? No, I don't think they are. I don't think they are at all. Huckleberry, anything else you wanted to talk about this week in the world of professional wrestling?
1: I think we've covered it all, man. Uh, Good run. Good show. I don't think we're going to be able to say the same for, uh, for Raw and SmackDown this week. Definitely Raw.
0: Yeah, no preview for SmackDown Live this week. You know, like Nobody cares about that show until it moves to Fox. Sad but true. That's going to wrap things up for this week's show. Thanks for listening, and if you haven't yet, please hit that subscribe button. Then visit the entire HTM Podcast Network online, hittingthemarks.com. Visit Hameen Media online at hackerhameen.podbean.com. Check out our sponsors, the Voices of Misery, voicesofmisery.podbean.com, as well as ratsaladreview.com, and be sure that you go to Salad Review, and you check out me and, and the boys on there talking about some Halloween later on this week. Until then, you can find me Across all social media platforms, at RBV, how do the peeps, the freaks, and the geeks find you?
1: Well, since we do have this opportunity, we got both shows running at the same time. I'd like to make sure that everybody, if you if you want to go beyond all the greatness, all the excellent programming from the Honey Media Group, uh, we're kind of we're kind of their NXT. Head on over to HittingTheMarks.com. You can check out our weekly show, the Hitting the Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast, hashtag HTM Sports we got Russell Podcast, we got Turnbuckle Talk. we got, well, we got tables, actors, and chairs. Occasionally, the guys from the Hustle show up. So, some, some great alternative programming over there. Make sure you check us out at hittingthemarks.com. And, of course, you can keep up with me personally across all social media platforms at The Real RVV.
0: We'll talk to you Wednesday for HTM Sports. For now, we're off like a prom dress. See ya! Watch your fingers. Table me. Don't give up. F- I'll be
1: your back up.
0: Bad guy. Ow!